Welcome to the RAB Poetry Podcast, where we bring you the stories behind the words, where every poem has a story behind it. Our podcast is a journey through the hearts and minds of poets as we delve into the inspirations, struggles, and triumphs that fuel their work. In each episode, we'll feature a poem, sharing the underlying stories and reciting the most powerful and moving pieces. From various poems on wide variety of topics and rising poets and authors, our podcast is the perfect companion for anyone who loves poetry and the power of words. Whether you're a seasoned poetry enthusiast or just getting started, you'll find something to love on the RAB Poetry Podcast. So tune in and let the stories of our poets take you on a journey of inspiration and emotion. Listen to the REB Poetry Podcast, available on all major platforms now. Welcome to Fandom Power. Hello, folks. What's up, man? Welcome back. What's been like a week? Has been. What's happening this last week? Uh, not too much. We only got uh, one episode of Hawkeye. Uh, you know what? I'm okay with that. It, it'll do. I'm okay with one episode because when we had two episodes of Hawkeye, we also had five episodes of He-Man, and that made for a very busy week. It did. <laughs> it really so, did. Uh, I'm happy to have a bit of a... A little bit more breathing room <laughs> mm. <laughs> because it's going to keep us going until like the 29th and then uh inevitably the uh book of boba fett my god disney what is wrong with you overlapping two awesome shows at the same time oh there's more than that though there's also movies and all sorts of other stuff to see from them i got my spider-man tickets do you i do well here's hoping we don't get locked down then uh there is that i'm uh fingers crossed for that uh also uh as soon as they go on sale i will be getting tickets for the matrix as well so uh, yes very nice looks like we've uh all right hey mark uh mark out in nova scotia thanks for joining us tonight here on uh, fandom power as we uh, do our weekly deep dive into uh marvel studios hawkeye currently streaming on disney plus and uh the titles for this one don't exactly write themselves so (laughs) our show on target where we will attempt to stay on target and uh we'll try and get into uh hawkeye and uh, get you all up to speed hopefully uh everybody's uh up to speed if you're uh just joining us for the first time now hey full uh spoiler that uh, this is a spoiler cast so uh if you have not watched this week's episode now's your uh 30 second warning bow out get out (laughs) Or no, stay. No, please know. don't get out. Stay, stay. We need you. We love you. Yes. Yeah. You'll get more uh, info from us than you will just yeah, a yeah, single yeah. viewing. So uh, this time we're talking about episode three. It's titled Echoes. It originally aired on Disney Plus on Wednesday, December 1st, and has a runtime of 44 minutes. 44, putting it at the longer side of uh, a little bit. A nice uh, hour long target, though, for, for when they, you know, uh i actually put it into syndication and get commercials uh <laughs> yes when that's when it's on abc yes right 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 well we got another comment another what's up what's up facebook user whoever you are watching from probably from the uh, fandom power facebook uh group just a reminder for you guys if you are uh because groups uh have uh, very specific privacy settings if you are watching from the group 
you must visit StreamYard on Facebook and give them permission to use your name. Otherwise, I suggest you can hit us up on any of our other platforms. Head over to the Phantom Power uh, podcast page where all of that stuff is already taken care of. Check us out on our YouTube channel. That's uh, Sawcast Productions uh, on YouTube. Or you can catch us on uh, Twitch TV at uh, Sawcast underscore Productions. Yep. So uh, this week, you know, we open with a flashback. And we jump back to 2007, where we find a young Maya Lopez, played by Darnell Bissau. And this is her first acting role. This is for uh, young Maya. Young Maya. Okay, good for her. Uh, Very quickly, we establish that she is deaf. And in real life, young Darnell is also a member of the Minomi Mini Tribe. Okay. I think I'm, I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. Uh, But according to one Reddit post, she is Aquila's actual cousin. Oh, really? Yeah. That's cool. Which would, you know, family tie. Okay, I was, was going to say, like there is some resemblance there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's pretty awesome. But uh, she's got a pretty decent grasp on reading lips already. And she is very smart and very ambitious. And we learned that really quick because in her notebook where she's completing it before the teacher's even done assigning it. Yeah she is writing down that she wants to learn capoeira. Oh yeah. 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 Which is a Brazilian martial art that combines elements of dance, acrobatics and music. So there's that on her to-do list, but we find her in her bedroom. We see that she's already excelling at karate because she's got achievement awards on the wall. I was going to say, does this segment uh, remind you of the uh, Kate Bishop sequence uh, back in the first episode? Maybe a non-animated version of it? Yeah. And it definitely yeah, yeah. more sped through, but... It just feels like there's a parallel there that these two young girls have had similar yep. uh, similar paths. Now, mind you, well, I shouldn't say that because we are going to get to the tragic part here. Yeah, <laughs> we are. But yeah, so there is some mirror some uh, mirror, uh, mirror imagery between mm-hmm. the two girls, yeah. But... Uh... She's curious, like really curious. And she's asking her father, you know, what's, what sound does the sky make? Right. Are dragons real? And what sound do they make? And we meet uh, her father, William Lopez. And her father is played by Zon McCarnan, who you may know from previous roles in the films, Dr. Sleep, the forever purge and TV series is the sun westward and Longmire. Westworld I've been meaning to watch. I know it's based on the uh, classic science fiction novel. It's not the first time that they've uh, tried to adapt that one for screen, but uh, I haven't watched it yet. So Yeah. But uh, we get a heart-wrenching moment here because we find out that they can't afford to send her to the school for the deaf. And her dad tells her, you know, you're going to have to learn to jump between two worlds. And she says, you know, how am I going to do that? And he tells her, you can do it by watching. Yes. So... Skipping forward, we find that, uh, you know, she's going to karate class and she's very attentive. Like that advice sunk in. And yeah. Her father yeah. gives her a little bit more that, you know, it's not about size or strength, but speed and leverage. And before he leaves, he tells her that her uncle will be taking her home. And this is where we get our first big possible cameo. Yeah. I mean, we'd, so anybody who watched our show and we did the, uh, the Disney plus day, uh, breakdown for what was going on we actually talked about this uh back then and and uh for anybody who's up to speed on the comic origins of this character you kind of you already know what's coming but i mean if you were a fan of 
some of the other Marvel television series, this may have come as a bit of a what? Mm -hmm. Because we do get uh, a very large hand come in and kind of pinch your cheek. Yeah. That very large hand has a very specific cuff link on it. Well, there is that. Uh, and then there was also the, uh, the, la the laugh. Yeah. And I mean, uh, now we've, we've tried to nail other uncredited roles in other shows before. And I mean, our success rate has been kind of, well, it's kind of not so good, <laughs> but I think this one is spot on. Do we think that this is, I think so. I okay. think this is going to be Vincent D'Onofrio's Kingpin. I think that uh, where the fan base is concerned, I think that has been a uh, people were talking about uh, D'Onofrio's uh, Kingpin coming back for the the new the new uh, Spider Verse movie, hmm. um, or even possibly making his way uh, into the new Spider Man uh, um, uh, No Way Home. But th they talked about him maybe being a CGI rendered version of his Spider Verse version. So I got to tell you, I'm not opposed to that, but am I ever happy that the indication is that we're leaning back into Vincent D'Onofrio and having him show up in Hawkeye? Uh, cool. Yeah. <laughs> super, super cool. Yeah. So for those who have not jumped in on the comics, uh, it is established that Maya's father, William, worked as a mob enforcer for William yeah, uh, yeah. Wilson Fisk. And it would be on an order from him that William was murdered. Oh, so at which point Maya is taken in by Fisk, who sends her to the best private schools money can buy. Yeah. And yeah, just, yeah. you know, expands her skill sets greatly. And he would go on to use her in a plot against Daredevil, convincing her that it was him that killed her father. Right, right. So, you know, skewing away from the MCU, but she would take on the identity of Echo based on her ability to copy any motion CCs and she would fight Daredevil. But upon learning his true identity as Matt Murdock, you know, that bought him a minute to explain himself. And she finds out that the Kingpin was lying. Right. So, uh, you know, that leaves her pretty ticked off, you know, because right, she right. deliberately been lied to. And she would turn on him and she would brutally shoot the Kingpin, leaving him blind. for. Oh, her. right. Fair enough. So. But back to the cufflink because cufflinks played such a heavy role in the daredevil show. Yep. Uh, secondary, we get that laugh and you know, it's sounding like it leans right into it, man. He's certainly his performance throughout daredevil was one of the strongest, uh, performances of the show. And I mean, I, I think, you know, is it fair to say universally that, you know, that's sort of one of those things that fans have wanted is a, I mean, there's been all kinds of talk about where do the Netflix shows fit into the MCU lore that they were supposed to be. They were weirdly referenced without, you know, overtly without being included. Yeah. And so now, I mean, you, you've got all these rumors, including some potentially leaked photographs of Charlie Cox showing up at Aunt May's house. Yeah. Um, man, am I ever glad that they are fully embracing what netflix had uh, had done had sort of paved for uh yeah, for there's no there's Marvel no sense television. throwing away all that work i don't think so either it, i think it's you know, established it's at least loosely connected uh it's better connected than agents of shield true with the exception of that one that came out the week after uh winter soldier okay fair enough or that, uh tahiti uh, uh yeah, the, yeah tahiti too. but uh 
you know, back to the kingpin, you know, he's a mountain of a man. He's intelligent. He's cunning. He's violent. He's all of that. Yeah. And like you said, the rumors that it's a CGI version, you know, I hope that's wrong. Yeah. I really would prefer, I mean, if you're going to give me a, a fully fleshed, uh, you know, Vincent D'Onofrio and Hawkeye, I should hope that that version, I mean, if the kingpin does in fact make an appearance in Spider-Man, uh, uh, far, uh, no way from home. Uh, no way. <laughs> Tripping on no my own home. tongue, man. Uh, if he does show up, in fact, show up in uh, No Way Home, I certainly hope that that is carried over, and it is uh, Vincent D'Onofrio. Mm-hmm. But uh, we follow back to the Karate Academy. Yeah, and Maya is studying her upcoming opponent, and you know, that's not all. But uh, as she steps to the middle of the ring for her match, we find that she is also sporting a prosthetic leg. What's interesting about, I I don't know if you, uh, I wish they'd spent more time on that because there's no, we see her later on as an adult and she's still wearing the same leg. I don't think it's the same one. I think it's an upgraded version. It just based on the fight, the size of it. Yeah. I don't know if you have a slide for it, but I know like when Kim and I had watched it, we kind of went, wait a minute. It's still good. It's like an adult with a little baby foot. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like it, to me, it looked like, why are you still wearing the small little foot? And then without explanation, it, it's a full size, you know, foot later on hmm. I have to go back and rewatch that. But, uh, if you guys have any thoughts on that, uh, let us know in the comments, what you think about, uh, Maya's foot, because to my way of thinking, there was definitely, uh, it was something I don't want to use <laughs> the pun rights itself. Something was a foot there. <laughs> <laughs> You know, even though she's got that going against her and the deaf thing, it doesn't stop her. She like takes out your opponent. No problem. Yeah. And mm-hmm. like he's twice her size. But uh, then we do a bit of a time jump and we land around 2018. I'm yep. thinking. Yep. And we find the older Maya. She's now at the gym, still training and yeah, she's yeah, sparring yeah. with an opponent. And she's now more lethal than ever. And she quickly defeats this guy. And again, you know, he's taken it back by her leg. And again you see her you know noticing things and basically telegraphing that this guy's going to punch her she's yeah avoids it yeah, yeah. And takes him out with a knee strike and you have to think you know if you're that guy now at this point you know is she just is she training like just training training or is like you know is she part of the family business at this point i don't know because if she is do you think that those guys were like getting the ring like they were told getting there with her it's possible Imagine being that person who gets in there, who's probably, you're not just going to throw, you know, nobody goons at this girl. You're going to give her something, you know, you're, de- she's developing her skill set or her skills are forcefully being developed. Yeah. You're not just going to throw a nobody in there, but now suddenly you're the guy that's got to get in the ring with her and you see this little, this little baby foot, or you see the the fact that she's an amputee and you think to yourself, you know, do you think that, oh, I have an advantage. Well, from the look of him, he's like, oh, I'm going to beat up on. That's what I mean. Like one leg, but so is he really sympathetic or maybe, I don't know. But at the same time, you know, she's probably been fighting that stereotype her whole life. Absolutely. Yeah. Just want to fight harder. Yeah, for sure. But uh, later she'll return to what I'm guessing is her father's garage. And we get a couple things going on here. And first off is the name that appears on it. And that is fat man auto. Yep. And that is another name long associated with the King. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, a uh, nice, subtle little, uh, yeah. Uh, There's also another reference to that in West coast Avengers, I believe with an actual villain called the fat man, but 
Oh. And, you know, he was deleted or he was defeated by Hawkeye as well. So, I mean, is that just a, an Easter egg for the show or are we actually calling back to Kingpin on this one? I could be. Who knows? It'll be just leading to it. Uh, the other thing going on here, it looks like a certain 72 Challenger, which will play a key role in an upcoming car chase, but it's parked out front. So it's safe to assume that it probably belongs to Maya's father at this point. Okay. There is a heavier comic book connection, but I'll go into that later. We think that's the same car as I later on. I think this is the same car. Yes. I think that looks, oh, I'm not a car expert, but I think that looks like a Chevelle. Uh, kind of, but different front end. I guess so. But upon arriving at this place, uh, you know, she finds a commotion taking place inside. Yeah, yeah. And she stealthily makes her way to the side entrance, passing through windows and we see Ronan is taking apart everybody inside one at a time. And she kicks in the door, but it's too late because she finds that her father has been run through. Yeah. 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 And then he flees out the window and, uh, you know, she's too late. Have you been following any of the online commentary for this week's episode, sort of in the fan community, what people are saying about it? I have not. So there is a, I read an interesting one today that uh, purported, uh, you know, Clint has no idea, you know, how much trouble, like how dangerous a situation he's really in because now he's just killed, you know, a bunch of the Kingpin's goons. And I'm like, Clint being the type of, you know, had nothing left to lose at that point. His family was gone. Yeah. It's post blip. How do we know that the Kingpin wasn't part of the 50% that was blipped? It's possible. And even if he wasn't, do you think he really cared? Not at that point. No, no. So like you got on his radar. And so while I, while I agree that it paints a very interesting picture, I mean, as, as mob bosses go, I mean, Kingpin, uh, you know, ranks up there, you know, very highly. Surely he's going to want to know what's if he was blipped, in fact, and it really is him. You think he's going to want to know what happened to his guys? More than likely. (laughs) So we're almost guaranteed a collision course with these characters. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, as he lays dying, you know, he pleads with, with Maya, you know, fly away little dragon because he's already gone. Yeah. And we get a heartbreaking callback to her actual comic book origin with the bloody handprint that is left on her face. Oh yeah. And, you know, in, in the comics, of course it took place while she was a lot younger, but you know, still tugs at the heartstrings. Oh, of course it does. Yeah. Yeah. And then uh, we finally get our title card and we rejoin our heroes who are still being held captive by the tracksuit mafia. Yes. And turns out they're hiding out in a KB toys. I saw that. And I location. laughed at that. I'm like, KB toys. What year is this? <laughs> well, apparently they went out in 2009. I believe it was. Was that the, the end of KB? I believe so. Did we have, we didn't have KB up here, did we? No, but we had, uh, you know, Toys R Us and whatnot. We still have Toys R Us. We do. We're like the last bastion of Toys R Us in the world. Yeah. But uh, this might be a comment on the state of toy stores in the U.S. You know, because you know what? That's a, a very, very good. Uh, yeah. But uh, it could also be, you know, K&B is just Kate Bishop. You know, that's entirely possible as well. Or it could be both. Uh, yeah. I mean, it can be an allegory for many things really. And then, you know, back in the nineties uh, or whatever, during the bankruptcy crisis, I know KB toys did a lot of exclusive Marvel stuff. 
they did yeah well, especially like in the toy biz days yeah yeah they did yeah so uh there's that too i love the uh the moving truck trust a bro yeah and that's a throwback <laughs> to the tracksuit mafia because their whole thing was hey bro hey bro hey bro. yeah 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 but uh as we go inside we find uh, i'm not your bro <laughs> We go inside and we find Kate and Clint are secured to a couple of children's quarter amusement rides. Yeah. Like the ones you would find outside and, uh, you know, they're running it and more signage on the windows. And it's reminiscent of stuff that we've seen from like Sears and national sports, home outfitters, and even the Disney store now. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So, uh, with, uh, you know, big retailers, uh, pulling the pin in Canada. Yeah. But, uh, they grow bored of watching them ride these little rides and they decide they're going to play cards. And this gives Clint and Kate a chance to talk. And she insists, you know, you would have been lost without me, but he's like, no, I was here to clear your name. And I was about to, before you fell through the skylight. Yeah. Well, she kind of gets like, she kind of does that. Like, uh, 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 Oh yeah. You know, it just has nothing pithy to say. No, no comeback. <laughs> no time. This time. It's the wrong time for a, uh, for talking about his branding. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, we hear one of the tracksuits yelling over the phone. And when he hangs up, Kate empathetically asks him, you know, you good. And he's like, no, he's not. And we find out it's uh, tracksuit member, Thomas played by, I'm going to butcher this name. I'm sorry. Uh, Piotr Adamzik. Oh, and he's not okay. He has just had a fight with his girlfriend who has told him she will be taking her sister to the Imagine, the Dragon Imagine Dragons concert, concert. <laughs> with tickets that he bought for her. And he thinks she's doing it just to hurt him. And Kate suggests, well, at least you don't have to go see the Imagine Dragons. You funny. You want a funny story? But he fires back. I love the Imagine Dragons. I love Dragons. the Imagine Dragons. Funny story. Uh, before <laughs> when Kim and I, my wife, were getting together, the, the guy that uh, was courting her was like really had tripped on it. And he was on the way out. And so in a last ditch effort to try and uh, win her back, he bought her tickets for one of her favorite performers, Jack Johnson, the like okay. kind of like Hawaiian you yeah, yeah. kind of curious George stuff. Yeah. 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 People watching. So at the end of it, you know, he's like, just keep the tickets. Like he didn't want them back or anything. So I uh, guess you got to go see Jack Johnson. <laughs> <laughs> was it a good show? It was a good show. Oh, yeah. Nice. <laughs> but, uh, you know, he thinks that she's just done it to hurt him. And Kate suggests, well, at least you don't have to see him. He loves him. And Clint's rolling his eyes at the whole conversation. Right. But she continues to tell him, you know, you both need to apologize because it was a gift for him presented as a gift for her. Yeah. And he's yeah, struck yeah, yeah. by your advice. He's like, hold on, hold on. Let me go get a pen so I can take notes. <laughs> but before he can get back, uh, tracksuit member Ivan, played by Winnipeg native Alex Juanovic right approaches and tells kate you know you talk too much and you may know alex here from his other work on tv shows like supernatural i zombie the 100 and snowpiercer snowpiercer the film or the the series the series oh so man i mean all shows that i have yet to see oh <laughs> well supernatural you're like 17 seasons too late i'm probably not going to catch up on that one i'm sorry you i'm can. sorry supernatural fans it just no you can catch up it's over <laughs> it's not going anywhere now yeah it's more about my interest level than anything else. A chance but uh ivan tells her you know maybe i should rip out your throat and before he can make good on his threat uh miss lopez makes her grand entrance along with her interpreter and yeah 
she questions Clint pretty quick. Like she, she takes note that he's wearing the hearing aid and rips his bonds off so he can sign. Right. Right. And, uh, she questions him says, uh, you know, you rely on technology too much in hinting at the hearing aid. And, uh, he says, you know, what do you mean? My go-to weapon is two sticks and string. Yeah. And she's yeah, like, yeah. no, no, your hearing aid. But he still tries to clear her name, insist, like, you know, insisting she put it on by accident. She's not the Ronin. Right. And she questions him, you know, there's rumors that he's back. And just because that he says she's not Ronin doesn't mean he's not back. But Clint goes on to tell her, no, the Ronin is dead. Yes. And he says, you know, how do you know? And he says, uh, because I was there and black widow killed him you know this is that uh, moment in the show where like us as the viewers are watching it going i know exactly what he means yeah exactly it was yeah, her yeah. coming to him giving him hope yeah so uh you know she's unimpressed by his explanation and fueled by memories of her father's death she just like zeroes in on kate who's still blabbing away yes and throws her right in a chokehold and you know we get a more close-up shot of her memory there and you know daddy's yeah, oh yeah good no but uh really quickly though uh the interpreter kazi played by irish actor frothy he pulls her back and tries to calm her down and you may recognize him from his performance as corferac in the 2012 adaptation of les miserables okay another one that i haven't seen <laughs> like the stage show or uh, the the, movie, the, the film movie. adaptation the okay, film okay. adaptation yeah uh, he has done a lot of work on like Broadway type plays and whatnot. Yeah. 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 I don't have much info on those, but uh, all the while Clint has been working to free himself. And while the tracksuits argue about Maya, you know, almost killing a kid. Yeah. Clint tells Kate, don't be scared because there's going to get out of here. Just wait for his signal. And just like that, he's free and he's off running, leading the majority of the tracksuits away yeah, wasn't there like a like a rough part on the that unicorn yeah, on the back kinda, of the unicorn ride and he just kind of sawed, the sawed through off. his tape yeah okay. yeah but uh she's like out loud you know how did you do that yeah tell yeah, me yeah. how you did that <laughs> but uh they fan out and we see the defunct toy store we see remnants and stuff left here and there on the yep. shelves yeah yeah and there's a possible deadpool connection oh really briefly we get to see a unicorn as he makes his way around one of the shelves I never even considered that for a second. And you know what? I made a point to like, cause I'm like KB toys have been gone for a long time. So I'm surprised that there was anything left on the shelves at all. So I made a point to like, Oh, I better watch what's on there. Yeah. I didn't even put that together. But uh, not only in this scene, do we get that? We also get a great callback line from Ivan where he comes out and he's like, Hawkeye come out and play. Oh yeah. yeah Going yeah, yeah. back to the uh, 1979 film, the warriors. Right. 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 And you know, done to death over the years, but still nice to hear it. Yeah. Um, but he goes on, he tips the shelves on them and he's running across the top and makes his way over. And he soon finds himself squaring off with Maya one-on-one. And as the fight progresses, you can see in her maneuvers that she is using that capoeira. Oh yeah. She totally is. Uh, the kick here is a martello, yeah, which is uh, one of the common kicks, but still brutal and effective. But again, you know, Clint goes for a hockey stick and he's caught off guard when he smashes it against her leg and finds out, you know, it's prosthetic. That's leg. prosthetic. Yeah, it didn't do anything. Yeah, it just <laughs> smashes against it. So uh, 
she quickly lands a headshot on him and uh, knocks loose the hearing aid. Yep. And as she approaches you really quickly, she just stomps it right to the ground. Yes. And how now I don't know if that's just her way of, I mean, I feel like there's some, there's multiple meaning here in this one. I mean, it conceivably puts Clint at a disadvantage now because he doesn't have it because he's been relying too heavy on it. Right. And that goes back to her saying, you know, your reliance on technology. Yeah. Uh, she made a she made a an overture about you might be better without it. Yeah. So maybe that's her way of, uh, you know. That's quite possible. I don't know. Because he does uh, up his game here right shortly. But he also, let, let's talk about uh, his use of ASL for a minute. Because uh, in the first two episodes, we see ASL American Sign Language, for those of you who are not, not following, not up to speed. We saw Clint talk to his children. And his children uh, signed with him uh, for a couple of phrases. And then we get to this one and I kind of was caught off guard because I almost got the impression like when he was signing to her, he'd signed, what do you say is like uh, hard of hearing, not, not deaf, not deaf. Right. So like, is that his way of saying, I don't know. Yeah. I only know a little bit. Well, the next phrase he says is uh, sorry, more cookie <laughs> implying, you know, he doesn't know. A yeah, lot of it yeah. Yeah. Yet, yeah. He's, he's learning. So who knows? See where he's at it by the end of it. Yeah. But within seconds, you know, he's back up and he leaps through an upper window okay. off of a trampoline. Right, right. And upstairs, he finds his bonus quiver and Maya is hot on his heels. She grabs up Kate's bow. Sure, sure. And now with the the addition of bows in the mix, uh, it quickly, eh, quickly shifts advantage to Clint. Quiffly. Quiffly. <laughs> uh, really shifts to him, though, because he pins her right to the wall with a well-placed trick shot. Yes. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm still I laughing know. on Quiff. I'm still I'm still laughing on Quiffly. <laughs> uh, it's still not as good as the one from Barbershop. Uh, no, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> but with Maya pinned down and more tracksuits closing in, he leaps over the railing for a slow motion precision shot, which simultaneously skims Kazi and releases Kate at the same time. Yeah, it's a pretty good shot, too. It is a good shot. I mean, it's so typically Hawkeye, though, right? It is. Yeah. It's like he's shooting sideways in a barrel roll over a railing. Yeah, it's the, uh, what do you call that? The uh, It's almost the Mel Gibson double pistol diving <laughs> roll Maybe, shot. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But, uh, you know, he lands himself in a giant ball pit, and as Kate begins to fend off Kazzy, he pops out of the ball pit and skewers the feet of two tracksuit guys who came looking for him. Man, the ball, uh, the ball pit thing, as soon as they hit it, you know what? <laughs> I turned to Kim, and you know what I said? Bazinga. <laughs> okay <laughs> yeah the whole moment is totally reminiscent of that scene from the big oh, bang that's hilarious <laughs> yeah you're not the only one to think that i just couldn't help but see sheldon cooper in this yep. ball pit only it's hawkeye <laughs> <sighs> that's priceless i didn't know you had that <laughs> yeah yeah that came to mind too oh it's so good so uh the fighting continues and his archery skills are on full display yeah and he takes out multiples with well-placed arrows and this one poor dude gets pinned right to the pillar there. I really like that shot. I thought yeah. that's super cool. Yeah, he's not even looking. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and then he gets up and uh, with one final, you know, bow strike across the face, Kazi goes down and Kate proclaims, you know, I was doing fine. Right, right. But uh, he's not hearing it, literally. Uh, they make a hasty exit and they look for the closest car they can find. And of course, Kate eyes up the 72 challenger because oh, it's right at the door it is. 
but uh, Clint scorns her. We're not smashing a 72 challenger. No, no. Let's take this land yacht over here. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> here's where we get to the second comic book connection. Oh, you know what? I'll Maybe it is. This. Maybe it is the same car. Yeah, because we can assume side by side here that this is probably the same car from back in front of the Fat Man Auto. Yeah, yeah. But uh, the bigger comic book connection here, Clint bought on a whim a 1970s Dodge Challenger from a woman named Cherry. Oh, wow. In Hawkeye Volume 4, Number 3, back in 2012. Okay. And the car would go on to be stolen by the tracksuit mafia. By the tracksuits. Oh. And man. it would be heavily damaged during a car chase across the Manhattan Bridge. So, uh, really? Comic book foreshadowing, <laughs> maybe? Wow, but, a little uh, more uh, influencing here. Yeah. Uh, instead, though, he opts for a 70s Chrysler New Yorker. And yeah, after, a land yacht. <laughs> yeah. After some uh, arguing about who's going to drive, the decision is made for them because the tracksuits come rushing out. Yeah, the whole he's and, uh, he's like, I can't hear you. Come over here, drive. Yeah, you got to drive. I yeah. can't hear. But uh, they come out and, you know, in they get and away they go. And this whole sequence is fantastic because it starts off shot from inside the car with Clinton Kate. Yep. And the camera just pans around to capture the action as it's going. I was surprised that, uh, again, on the Disney Plus day, when we got the uh, the Hawkeye trailer. Yeah. And we they gave us that virtually that entire sequence and i thought man that's a big giveaway mm. but uh it's still just as thrilling to watch yeah. the, over the course of the episode i went back and watched it a few times and it just flows so nicely yeah yeah but uh we get the guys catching up and kate tells them you know there's four vehicles in uh pursuit and we're given some food for thought here because we have the trust a bro truck roll up beside them yeah, yeah, yeah. and it features a phone number on the side 503-164-7665. Trust a bro. Yep. But that area code means that uh, it's probably based out of Northwestern Oregon. Northwest Oregon. Yeah. Now, is there a connection here that I am not picking up on? There might be, but I have not figured it out yet. Just and uh, Wait, so we are in New York. We are in New York, okay, yes. Yeah. So not sure where that's going to lead but maybe it's better than the uh the typical hollywood 555 yes yeah yeah and if since it is such a specific number i haven't called it yet myself but uh quite often when they put one in that that's like a promo thing yeah and if you call it you might get a weird message i often see like when, since we've been doing marvel shows and i see numbers like this i think of like how many like are these references to specific issues, issues or volumes or, yeah. or you know are we looking at several I mean, the number is so long. Is this like several issues jammed in here? It could be. It I don't could know. Be. It could be something else too. But uh, as the tracksuits catch up, you know, Kate grabs Clint's quiver and bow and he tells her, you know, wait, we're out of regular arrows. So everything from here out should be a trick arrow. Oh, and she's like a kid at the carnival. I know. It's trick so arrows. Woo. Yeah. <laughs> She's been waiting for this moment. Yeah. So, uh, we move away from the car panning around inside and we get our first uh, arrow and turns out it is a goop arrow. And uh, now for the record, we've not seen this arrow before. I don't believe so. I don't think so. I couldn't maybe think of another, comics, but uh, I, I meant cinematically cinematically. I don't, I don't so. think we've seen this before. This is a new one. Yeah. But it's got uh, an expanding purple substance, which Kate calls Play-Doh, but he says, you know, aim for the tires. It's a putty arrow. Yeah, so you think it would have been some kind of like to adhesive like, or something? Yeah, to gum it up, slow it yeah, down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or something to that effect. 
and uh with one vehicle down we get some comical banter between the two of them you know how he says uh she says it'd be easier to shoot if i was facing the other way facing the other way and yeah i'm not hearing her says it'd be easier to shoot if you were facing the other way yeah yeah and she's like oh we're communicating <laughs> but uh they get to spin around real quick and after that uh the next arrow is let loose and we find out it is an exploding arrow uh, we've definitely seen those before we have seen those oh yes but this prompts Kate to ask the question because he's already pulled four aside and said, no, those are too. Dangerous. Oh yeah. These are too dangerous. <laughs> She's like, there's more dangerous arrows than that. Than that. <laughs> so with two vehicles down next up, we get the plunger arrow. <laughs> and she's like, really a plunger arrow. What's the trick? Is it completely useless? I, <laughs> I like how they tie this together uh, a little bit later. Yeah. It does find its purpose, but, uh, Next up, you know, we uh, we find that as the chase continues, they're driving backwards through a Christmas tree lot. And lo and behold, Ivan and Kazzy have rejoined, having cleaned the goop off the uh, windshield. Yes. But then she hits them with the next arrow. And I'm not sure what we're calling this one because she's like, what do you call this? Yeah. And yeah I didn't yeah. catch what he called it, but uh, I'm calling it the spider arrow. It's certainly got a very similar... Uh... Yeah, it's got the thwip thwip thing going for it. I mean, you think of like, was it uh, was it in the Garfield movies where the lizard smashed one of the smashed one of his web shooters and it did just that? Yeah. It just went everywhere. Yeah, but similar to that, it also reminds me of that uh, Spider-Man Two scene where he's trying to tether the uh, the subway. Oh yeah, yeah. And he's yeah, trying yeah. to slow it down that way with yeah. multiple tethers, but uh, this one ends up you know snagging numerous trees and again bringing them to a stop because they can't see out window again at the same time you know there's there's no reason i mean we like to theorize on this show there is no reason to think that this isn't a new arrow since he's met spider-man that over the course of you know avenging yeah that, that uh that peter did not do a similar i gotta stop something with a big web and he went that's a good idea yeah and had one or or several made yeah it's a great idea but uh Next up, Clint hands her two more arrows and says, uh, these are acid arrows and instructs her to take out the two stoplights up ahead, Yep, which she does. And it's from one point of view, she's really far back. So it's a hell of a shot. Oh yeah. 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 And, uh, they spin through the intersection and they turn and make their way onto the Manhattan bridge. And as they speed along, you know, the challenger has caught up and Clint begins struggling with Tomas with the gun. And Kate seizes the opportunity to grab her bow back. Oh, yeah. You can't. It's like, I'll take that. Thank you. Yep. <laughs> and uh, once she's got it, she grabs this, one of the last arrows and uh, lands one right in the dash of the Challenger. And turns out it is a smoke arrow. Yeah. And I mean, uh, so much for the Challenger. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, you know, smoke arrow, it's enough to cause Maya to wreck it, causing Clint to lament that, you know, they challenge or they it's also totaled anyway it's also not lost on me that the smoke it just happens to be purple well i got it in a side note here thematically speaking yeah because she's going off on about branding but like the goop the smoke it's oh all yeah it's purple. all purple yeah so continue I mean, but let's be real about this i mean i'm not gonna <laughs> okay i'm not gonna mince words here hawkeye probably has had some of the worst costuming across the mcu true but at the same time even as far back as uh, 2012, there were always subtle nods to 
to purple in the in the costuming so yeah it only makes sense it might have been just an easier color to print maybe because i know that's one of the issues that they had with the hulk right that's how they oh, yeah, yeah. gray hulk okay fair enough but, oh comic book wise yeah 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 that totally makes sense but uh, running into heavy traffic, you know, Clinton Cater stopped on the bridge and the other track suits have managed to catch up and now working in tandem, you know, he tells Kate aim high. And this is kind of weird because she's like, it's a regular arrow. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Where did this one come from, but uh, I love it. this, by the way, she does it anyway. And he whips out his uh, last great trick arrow Yep, yep. and it's a pim arrow. I just love that it's it's monogrammed. It is. <laughs> it's, it's got perfect. a perfect pim right on it, which really is like for us. Like, come on, it there's is. no other way around that. Because you and I know what's coming. But, oh my god, yeah, yeah. Even Kate wouldn't know at this point. But uh, it's similar to some of the tricks we saw used in Ant Man and the Wasp, where regular size arrow is now supersized, and it just smashes through that. Back. The gag itself, the you know the. Uh, Luis driving the van and it's in it's it's not microscopic but it's quite small yeah, like right? the size of a hot wheels or whatever the joke is still just as funny now yeah i read some more this is another one uh talking about sort of the online response to that is like i read one article that was you know arguing about like this is a bit of a plot hole because there's no way that he could have acquired this arrow and i'm thinking how in in what sense is that a plot hole when it's two years post it's two years post end game you can't tell me that since civil war he's had access to this is what i mean like scott lang it's not a it's not a stretch of the imagination that he got it from scott who got it from hank uh, from hank or who got it from hank directly yeah for that matter yeah he could have been just developing more after the fact i mean everybody who was everybody was at the funeral yeah do you know what i mean like you can't tell me that they didn't have they didn't maintain some form of a relationship yeah who cares if clint was retired or whatever yeah 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 i mean technically with uh the ant-man arrow trick that's nothing new no, it's not. Yeah, so yeah. it would make sense that they'd have custom arrows just for Hawkeye. You ready for this tic tac? Yep. <laughs> but uh, as we're moving on, Clint tells uh, Kate, "You got to cover me." And there's only one arrow left, and it turns out it is the USB arrow. Yep. Which she's like, "What am I going to do with this?" But we've seen this. We have seen the USB arrow before. Quite effective in uh, what if, where yeah. it's used to defeat. Uh, ultron supreme quite cool to uh see that make a live action jump mm-hmm. and uh you know a good move on her part she bluffs and she's like you don't want to see what this arrow does and it gives enough pause to uh they all kind of go huh because uh-huh. like they've seen some pretty crazy stuff come out of that quiver so far it's funny though for all the fast talking she does like when she trips on it like where she has nothing to say you're just like oh <laughs> yeah you know when she's bluffing yeah yeah but uh you know, it gives Clint enough time to grab his plunger arrow and he tells her, follow him. And yep. they dive off the side and they launch a grappling hook right out of the bow and they swing by the train. And we find out, yes, now the plunger arrow has a use because it stops them from sliding off. Now, the is this a bit of an upgrade? The 2012 Avengers, when he went off the building, the grappling hook, was that not an arrow? I think it was. And so now it's right out of the bow. Yep. So that is definitely an upgrade. Because I had to watch it a couple of times. I thought maybe he used the plunger arrow. And well, that's what I like thought too. Thing, but no, in one scene, he's actually holding the arrow as the thing launches. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So, so. cool upgrade though. Mm-hmm. 
but uh, inside the train, you know, we get another comedic beat and they're having a conversation, but both of them are having two different conversations at once. And Clint's like, you know, giving her a bit of a compliment. Yeah. That, you know, maybe, yeah, you are the world's greatest archer. Oh, right. And another case of uh, it matching dialogue. <laughs> yeah. And she's like, oh my God, we got to walk the dog. And then he's like, oh, you know, we should walk the dog. She go to your apartment. Walk yeah. The dog. It's been locked there all day. <laughs> yeah. But uh, later on, you know, we catch up. Clint's jumping out of the shower and Kate is returning from walking the dog. And Clint knows his phone's going off and he thinks it's Laura. Oh, right, right. So, you know, he's asking if she can text, but uh, Kate has, you know, no, it's a little boy. Yeah. And we get uh, this real bonding moment because she's helping him, you know, writing out what he's saying so he can respond back. Yeah. yeah. And uh, it's also a bit of a heartbreaking moment because he has to tell his son he won't be home for movie night. But Nathaniel tells him it's okay if you can't make it home for Christmas. But Clint reassures him, no, no, I will be there. You wonder with the kids being the age that they are, how much were they exposed to with dad being away because he was an Avenger out saving the world? Well, were they really exposed to that much? It were two years post blip. So, I mean, take two years off that kid's age. How old was he during Endgame? During Endgame, he was gone. Well, there you go. So how old was he for any of this? True. You know what I mean? So like, I kind of wonder, like, is this just the typical kid who's just trying to put on a brave face for their father? I think so. Okay. Because I was wondering if that was the case or whether they were trying to infer to the audience that, you know, this is just part of, this just goes with your dad and who he is. Yeah. Like you're going to have to accept it because he's out saving the world. Yeah. But either way, you know, you well, it's it in his face, like it, it's breaking his heart. That, it works uh, one way better than it does the other. Yeah. I guess that's kind of what I'm getting at is, you know, which way are we supposed to take that? Hmm. But uh, no, should... you're right, though. He's definitely yeah. not. Yeah, he's not. He does cool not want to break this. Promise. No, no. I mean, that's been the recurrent sort of thing. I want to get home for Christmas. Yeah. Yeah. Home for Christmas. Yeah. The recurring theme. But we shift gears and we go back to the track suits. And uh, I should point out, yes, they did appear in comics but they were dubbed the tracksuit Draculas by Clint tracksuit Draculas. Yeah. It's an interesting, uh, kind of a weird name, but yeah, it's interesting. Yeah. But, uh, as we go to their hideout, you know, we find out it's been compromised. They're packing up, they're moving. Right. And Kazi decides now is a good time to pull Maya aside and have a talk about the events of the morning. Sure. Sure. And how this search for Ronan is getting out of hand. Yep. And that he just hopes that uncle won't find out <laughs> uncle again with the uncle. <laughs> and, uh, Maya, she's a bit pissed off and she asks him, you know, would you question my father like this? And he says, you know, no, but your father always put the crew first. Right. And she reasserts herself. She's like, well, who's in charge now? And she's like, you are. Well, here's the thing. So this takes me back to that. Like if Wilson Fisk was part of the 50% uh, that was blipped, you think about, you know, how big of an organization did he run? And I mean, we've mentioned this before in some of our star Wars stuff before power vacuums. Yes. Can you imagine what kind of power vacuum there is without the Kingpin around? Well, there's the comics. There's enough guys there to fill it. Like uh, there's tombstone, there's silver main. This is it. Does the organization now clearly, I mean, some other super villain would, would step in, but I mean, those characters have yet to make their appearance here. So I'm thinking like, He's just a really big crime boss. Do 
you know, does the organization splinter and like this sect goes over here and this group goes over there? I would think so. Yeah, I, I think it's an interesting. I hope that there is some, although there probably won't be because there's probably not enough episodes to do it. But I would love it if there was some exploration of, you know, was he was he blipped or not, hmm. and what happened to his organization in that time period. True. Yeah, yeah. But uh, she tells Kazi, you know, look into Clint Barton. And then she takes her leave. And we should point out about Kazi here. Uh, he is not a new character either. He made his appearance in the 616 as Kazmira's Kazmira Zak. Okay. AKA the clown. And again, he was working with the tracksuit mafia and the clown. Is that a riff on the Joker? Uh, you know what? I don't know for no? sure. Okay. I couldn't tell you, but, uh, did you get the impression that uh, other than being uh, you know, a, a, a ranking member of the crew that there's something else there between them? Yeah. They, there's a vibe. You think that there's some kind of tension between them? I think so. Yeah. I wondered that as well. He kind of treats her like a little sister. Yeah. 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 He also refers to uncle as uncle. Right. So could be anyway. Uh, Elsewhere we find Clinton Kate waiting patiently out of a, outside of a hearing aid repair shop. And Kate sends uh, she's sending Clint more texts and she remarks that, uh, it's a good thing he's called Hawkeye and not, not Hawk here. Can we talk about the, the hearing aid thing for a second? Sure. I don't know. You didn't get a slide of that, did you? Uh, just the boot stomp. One. Okay, that's fine. Um, the lady, was it, I, I got to go back and rewatch it. Was it actually a hearing aid clinic? Because they say something to her like, you're the doctor. Yep. And then she I, says, you know, give me five minutes, cash only. I got the impression it was like uh, um, Rosario Dawson's character in uh, Daredevil. and Kind of like the, a night nurse thing. Sure. Or the idea that, you know, uh, look at look at the John Wick universe. You know, you can't just go to any doctor. Yeah. Or, you know, we've seen it before in others. Like, we'll go to the veterinarian because the veterinarian will sew me up because the sewing is still the same. Yeah. Was she that kind of doctor? I don't know. Maybe that's why the, the cash only thing cash only, you know, yeah, no questions, yeah. no, no ask. I'm really a Chinese grocer, but you know, I do, you know, like illegal surgery in the back. Hmm. <laughs> it's possible. Uh, one other thing to point out here. Uh, Clint's phone is a rocket. Oh yeah. So, uh, maybe just a nod to our favorite raccoon or I don't know. Maybe not. I don't even know if that's a legitimate phone brand. I don't know for sure. I couldn't tell you rocket gives you mortgages. Anybody uh, out there in the uh, audience world, if you know any more about the uh, rocket flip phone, I'd love to hear about that. Yeah. And considering the year they're supposed to be in, why is he still using a flip phone? A flip phone in 2024. Four? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But uh, a while later we find that they're at a diner and Kate's still talking away. But he's had his hearing aid out the whole time. Oh my god! Yeah, heard none of it. <laughs> but when he finally puts it back in, just you know, enjoying his coffee. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> in peace. Yeah. When he finally puts it back in, though, Kate tells him, you know, putting on the suit felt like the day she would finally become herself. Mm, yeah. And yeah, he yeah. reminisces back and he says, you know, I felt the same thing. But he tells her this life comes with a price. Yeah, it really does. And a lot of sacrifices and some things you will lose forever. It's funny, you know, him telling her that and, and, uh, at our age, I mean, as 40 somethings and here we are and here's Clint, who is close to our age. Yeah. He's telling a kid who ha can't even conceptualize of what he's talking about. Yeah. 
I just thought it was an interesting. Uh, yeah, because her her instant response, she fires back. Well, it comes with trick arrows and a cool costume. Yeah, okay. There's the kid, right? Yeah. <laughs> At which point cool she stuff. tells him, you know, I've been thinking about your branding, and she shows him a drawing with some possible costume suggestions, which do bear some striking resemblances to his comic book appearance. I mean, I even said to I said to my wife as we were watching this, I'm like, she's drawing on a napkin. There's no way that she's not coming up with his classic co- comic book costume. Yeah. And sure enough. <laughs> yeah. It's a quick drawing, but it's got the wings on the mask and the, the H, big on, H head. on his head. <laughs> and she tells him, you know, imagine it in purple. Yeah. So sticking with that purple, but uh, like other costume comic book suggestions given to MCU folks, he shoots it down with a not happening. Uh, what was the other, the follow-up line? Not only would uh, my wife divorce me or something like that. Well, it, it gets to that, but yeah, uh, yeah. next she suggests, you know, well, what if it was all black with a mask and maybe a hood? And it kind of catches him off guard, but she poses to him, you know, you can't tell me who Ronan was because he's someone close to you. Yeah. That's and interesting. It's yeah. your job to keep his secret. Yeah. But he deflects. He's like, no, there's several reasons I would never wear a flashy costume. And he's like, first off for 20 years, he's supposed to be a ghost. Yeah. As a shield agent. Yeah. 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 Uh, second, his wife would divorce him. Yeah. There it is. <laughs> and three, he's not a role model. Right. But uh, she wholeheartedly disagrees. Because he stuck around to help a stranger who was in trouble when he didn't have to. That's true. And I mean, you can't tell me that there's not a little bit of hero worship going on here, too. Oh, there given, totally is. Given the uh, the first episode, her at what, eight, eight, nine, yeah. so witnessing. Uh, Seeing him jump yeah, off exactly. and fighting so, an alien menace with a bow. At some point, it's going to come out that uh, she's going to find out that he was Ronan. So. Now, and is that, how do you think that's going to impact the relationship? don't know for sure there it goes without saying that there's going to be some kind of fallout over that that she's going to think you know you weren't everything that you you know is she going to do the you lied to me thing like or is she going to do the oh i get it you know in light of everything you'd lost everything and so because at this point i don't think she knows everything the ronin did like he kind of gives her little tidbits like you know he went and cut off the supply chain and then Well this is the and- thing I the saving grace about the Ronan character is he was still only going after bad guys. Yeah. So he's got that going for him. True. But uh, from the light William is painted in this episode he doesn't seem like such a bad guy. No, no. But he goes off to pay the check and he tells Kate, you know, you're going to have to name this dog. Yeah. And she starts going through a list of names like, oh, what about Little Caesar or Dog? I like that. I I love that. Sir Dog of Pizza. Yeah, yeah. And uh, finally, though, she lands on uh, Pizza Dog. And to the improvement of our one-eyed pooch here, he now has his comic book name. I saw some uh, behind-the-scenes set shots with her and the dog. The dog does, in fact, have both eyes. That's uh, CGI. Okay. Yeah, yeah. All righty, then. But, uh, you know, as they leave the diner, she goes on and says, you know, can you elaborate on the tracksuits? Because they're not leaving anytime soon. No. And uh, then he poses the thought of what else they might have been after at that auction, noting it's pretty upsetting to think stuff from the Avengers compound is floating around out there. Man, right from the first episode and we both kind of went. What else have they got? Yeah. What else is there? There was multiple duffel bags of stuff pulled out of there. Sure, it probably all wasn't Avengers stuff. No, but then but again, I mean, doesn't need to be all of it. Can we go back to the criticism that I made before about how a lot of the stuff 
post blip suffers from Tony Starkism. True. Right. And here we are. I mean, the Avengers compound was another installation owned by Tony, Tony Stark. Stark. Yep. <laughs> I mean, and it's, it's inevitable. I mean, the guy bankrolled everything. So of course it's going to have, you know, the, the, the impact of Tony is going to be far reaching, but like, man, at some point, can we just like let the dead dog lie? Oh, we're not going to. All right. All right. All right. I know. I know. Armor Armor Wars Wars is coming. coming. (laughs) Yeah. Yes. Uh, And I am very excited for that, by the way. uh, Clint goes on to ask Kate if she still thinks, you know, is, do you think Jack was somehow involved? And she's like with a resounding yes. Right. Too many coincidences. Like him being at the auction and the day prior, he offered her a butterscotch. Oh, I know. Which is totally clear to us because we've already seen that aspect of it. But Clint looks at her sideways and, you know, it's not exactly airtight. You couldn't have, like, included the monogram butterscotch that was only in Armand's dish in his house. Yep. But uh, they figure, you know, we need more evidence. So they opt they're going to go break into (laughs) Kate's mom's apartment and dig up more info. Do we think Kate's mom has there's something sinister going on with her? I think there might be. I'm on I'm on the fence with that one. I, I think there might be okay, but uh, not anytime yet. No, it'll come second or second last episode. I think. Yeah. Like maybe they're setting her up for something down the road. Yeah. Maybe. But uh, we get to the building and they get in and we find out that it's Kate's great, 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 great grandfather that built the place. Yeah. And Hawkeye's yeah, like, yeah. this is home. You know, I'm in the wrong line of work. <laughs> yeah. I need to be the son of a wealthy, uh, yeah. a wealthy security company family. Yeah. So uh, quickly though, she finds a laptop and she starts logging in and uh, she gets access to Bishop security through that terminal. And uh, she logs in and she's Clint's like, you know, look and see if there's anything on Kazi. And sure enough, they do find some stuff. Right. And they find out that there's stuff linking him to a company called Sloan limited. Interesting. And there's also another name on this list here uh, is M. Kemp. M. Kemp. And this could be Michael Kemp, a criminal who was arrested but got a reduced sentence thanks from the help of the Nelson and Murdoch law firm in Netflix Daredevil. Wait, so is that he was actually in the series? In Daredevil. Oh, okay, yes. cool, cool. So there's an, another connection to that one. Well, I mean... <sighs> the how many how many nods are we going to get to the netflix series in this oh, i don't think we're done yet no okay but uh the sloan limited company there's a lot of theories floating around on the internet yeah everything from a former kingpin employee named willie sloan oh, okay to another sloan who dabbled in time travel so wait is there a comic book significance to either of there those there are multiple sloan yeah both of those are comic book willie ties. being a uh, former employee of the Kingpin in the comic books. Yeah. And there was a time traveling Sloan. Yep. Okay. But there's also another connection in the comics and it was a, a law firm titled Broderick Sloan and Cranston. Oh. That Matt Murdoch would join and eventually it would be revealed that Broderick and Cranston were both villains. What happened to uh, Nelson and Murdoch? Did they dissolve or was he on a case or something? Or? I think they dissolved a few times in the comics, okay, but I was never the largest or daredevil fan. No. So okay. More Netflix than comic for that one for me. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. But uh, really quick though, as she's going through this stuff, she gets locked out of the system. Yeah. It didn't take very long. No. Um, other thing to point out here, a few of these names, the last names do line up with 
other characters in the Marvel universe. Right, right. But the first initials don't match. Oh. Like we have Kafka there. Yes. And Ashley Kafka plays heavy in Ravencroft. Oh. Which is like the Arkham version. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In the yeah, Marvel yeah. universe. The Marvel uh, Arkham. Yeah. yeah. Uh, another one there, Keldek. Uh, Keldek. Kel- Kaladek? Or- Kadlek. Kadlek. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. Uh, apparently he is tied to either the Inhumans or the Eternals, one of the two. Okay. And then a bunch of other names don't really come up. We got, uh, what do we got? We got uh, Kachmarek, Kadlek, Kafka. Uh, and then we've got... Uh, Kadzimerchek, Kadzimerchek, I think. Kiefer. Yeah, Killam, that's our boy uh, Kazi. Kilpatrick, Kinzer, Kishimoto, Klein. Uh, what is that? That looks like a Notchin, Notchinmus. And then Nutson. Nutson. So. I think that's a pun. Maybe. <laughs> I was wondering, though, because like I think the first name lines up with uh, a, a producer or a showrunner. Oh, maybe for one of the Marvel shows. These so. are so these are easy ways to get like all your behind the scenes people yeah. kind of tossed into your show, right? So, yeah. so maybe we'll find more. Maybe we won't. Oh, maybe yeah. To, as she gets locked out of the system, Clint, you know, he hears a noise, and he goes to investigate. But before he gets too far, he winds up with uh, Ronan's blade to his throat. It was very much the uh, Attack of the Clones Mace Windu moment. It was, and yeah. we find out that it is Jack. Uh, the worst Avenger who ever was the sword. Yeah, yeah, yeah. With the uh, the collapsible Ronin sword, which I hope we get back to discussing that at some point. Yeah, because aside from plot armor in that episode, <laughs> yeah, <exactly>. why? Why? <laughs> why? But uh, only time will tell if these two recognize each other and tie it back to Clint's comic book origin. Yeah, like to us as the viewers, they very much are painting him like he's a new character. Yeah, because he is to us. To us, yes. Are they going to have a background? You think? Maybe it's possible. I don't know. Unless uh, he, uh, unless he's got a costume stashed away somewhere, and then they've met somewhere down the road. I don't know. But like, I don't know. They painted so many characters in such a different light. Yeah, they really have. Yeah. So, who knows? But uh, another thing to point out this episode: uh, the recurrence of the triangle. Oh, okay. And is it just an arrowhead thing or something else? Because we get uh, I'm not sure. Triangle Food Mart during oh, the chase. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, then we get uh, Trinity Avenue. Oh. And there's a couple other, like there it says don't block the intersection, but it kind of looks like a target. So, oh, yeah, yeah, maybe. I don't know. Stuff to ponder on. Has that been recurrent over the last couple? As it, was it in uh, one and two? It might have been, but I wasn't looking for it. Now I got to go back. Yeah. You guys who've been uh, following the show along, if you're uh, listening or watching, have you guys noticed any uh, recurrent themes that we're missing? Because now I'm really curious. Do I have to go back and watch the first two episodes again to see if there are other mm-hmm. uh, triangle slash Trinity references? It's possible. And I mean, if it is. Like, is the Trinity just Clint, Kate, Clint, Kate and, and the dog? Or Clint, Kate, somebody else. Mm-hmm. Clint, Kate, swordsman. Clint, Kate, kingpin. Clint, Clint I don't know. Echo. Say Clint Kate 17 times fast and then you t- trip on your tongue. <laughs> I'm already doing that. Me too. But uh, yeah, aside from that, um, I just wanted to touch on Echo real quick. Yeah, let's do it. Uh, because in the comics, yes, she started out on the side of devils, but wound up on the side of angels. And currently right. she is the host for the Phoenix Force. 
Right. We talked about that in the uh, the Disney Plus day. Now, was that in the 616 or is that in an alternate? Uh, no, that's in the 616. It is. Okay. Good to know. Yeah. So funny that she's. Uh, will she wind up there eventually or. Is knows? that foreshadowing? I don't know. Yeah. I like that uh, thematically they've kept the hand on her face. Yeah. That's interesting. But, uh, you know, she's uh, set to become a power player. Now, with her as the Phoenix Force, do they, I mean, she's not going by the Phoenix, though. Is she going by, like... I think she's still going by Echo. Uh, is she? I think so. It'd be an interesting take on, you know, uh, Thunderbird or Firebird or, you know, like some of the mm. other First yeah. Nations kind of... Because, like, Thunderbird has been taken. That's what I mean, years. you know, like... Firebird, I don't know if that one was... It would be an interesting take on some of those. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But other than that, uh, we cut to black and... We're left wondering that what's going to happen next. That is the end of our episode. Yeah. So uh, just a few days away from that as well. Too, yes, so. yes, we are. We're, uh, this is what, episode three of the show. It's episode yep. two of, of our on-target review series. We got uh, four more to go. Uh, four? Four or five? No. F- uh, three, I think. Three. Sorry, yeah. Three more Man, to go. it's going fast. And then uh, before you know it, we'll be doing, we'll be right back to where we were uh last week yeah where we're gonna have uh two shows that week when we uh wrap up yeah when we wrap up uh on target and we dive into the book of boba fandom yes super excited about getting towards that uh getting back into to star wars so all right guys i think uh unless you got anything else you want to close up on i am i'm out of ideas for this well <laughs> i tried to grab as many easter eggs and whatnot as i could okay and, fair enough fair enough all right know, guys. again i probably missed some but uh you guys well, that's great i mean there. Uh, yeah whatever we're missing we'd love to hear uh you guys what you guys have got that uh we're not touching on and as always uh make sure you uh check us out on all the places where we are over uh facebook instagram twitter and uh also on Twitch TV and YouTube. And uh, of course, don't forget, uh, we are on all of the audio platforms where podcasts can be gotten from. So yep. pick your favorite one and uh, search us out there. We'd love to uh, love to hear from you. So that's it for me, guys. Uh, until, until next week, I'm Wes. I'm Andy. And uh, we'll catch you later, guys. Have a good night. Bye for now. Hey, guys. Thanks for listening to Fandom Power. Be sure to like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram and Twitter. Stay tuned for our next episode where we'll be talking about another one of your favorite fandoms. Fandom Power is a Sawcast production.